very welcome along. It is the gardening programme sure on uh, this Saturday morning. Porik, good morning to good you. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. How are things? Great, great form. Delighted to hear the weather's going to be... Uh, picking up this afternoon yeah, and Sunday it, and Monday it's and Tuesday It's been a small bit challenging in fairness to people for people yeah, in the last uh, week or two uh, trying to get out because things have been the last number pretty of damp. They yeah, have, yeah. But it's been a very yeah. mild wet uh, autumn so far certainly I think from the end of August right through September now October is certainly uh, it's, it's, it's extremely mild I mean temperatures of 13 and 14 degrees at this time of year and night temperatures of 8 to 10 degrees still the growth is still there mm. the grass is still growing and weeds of course are still growing yes. I think people are finding probably a little bit challenging to get out and keep on top of of the garden and keep on top of the jobs uh, but looking at the forecast for the next couple of days at least we're going to get some dry weather some respite so I thought we might start the programme this week with just a couple of things that people could think about particularly as we come into autumn and into October because it is a time of year when uh, you're kind of putting the garden to bed mm-hmm. to a certain degree um, So and preparing for next year and I thought a nice topic I think October is uh, it's re- a birdie to me. Yeah, reuse month. We're, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about composting and things like that, I suppose. Yeah. So I'm conscious myself, I think, that, yeah, we are in reuse month and there's, I think, October, a drive yeah. for, by I think particularly by the local authorities at the moment, to encourage people to really think about uh, reusing all of the different things that we tend to throw away on a daily mm. basis. And I know, and I'm sure this is reciprocated in county councils across the country, but I'm very familiar with my own one in Roscommon. I know yesterday they had a launch of what they're calling the the Rossi Cup, which is really to encourage people to have their own coffee mug or tea mug uh, rather than constantly, I suppose, getting a cardboard one, you know, because yeah. I'm sure the volume of waste from those kind of things is Absolutely. just phenomenal these days. But they, they make fantastic, fantastic, those coffee cups make fantastic pots for seedlings for young plants, for young trees, if the children want to just pierce a couple of holes in the bottom of them, of the, the cup, fill it with compost, put in your seeds on the top, and you've got yourself a, a reusable uh, pot and and you and biodegradable pot, so that can be actually... Because you, you could put that in your compost. You could, you, end, or, or you could plant it, plant yeah. it into the ground right. with the plant and in it. And it'll just absorb into... And the roots will, will penetrate through something like a coffee cup. But it'll be a great vessel or, or um, unit to, to certainly pot plants on. Things like sweet peas would grow extremely well because of the long root tap root that sweet peas have that go right down to the end of the pot if you have small holes at the bottom for drainage mm. they'll work perfectly well in your greenhouse or windowsill or whatever so they make ideal uh, items to, to reuse and often things like um, egg cartons again will hold compost and you can sow seed in so you don't need the traditional trays as such you can l- use lots of materials as long as there's good drainage there and they'll hold an adequate amount of compost you can sow seeds and take cuttings again the, the coffee cup would be perfect for striking cuttings because you've got that length that four you know six mm-hmm. to seven inch length of of a container and within a coffee coffee cup you would root 10 to 12 cuttings no problem at all but ha- but thinking about recycling we're coming into the time of year in october for making compost for use next spring so for particularly for gardeners that like to use their own home made compost and so many materials can be used um, and can be recycled through composting. So the obvious things are things like grass clippings and we will be mowing the grass certainly to the end of October mm-hmm. and into early November so there's at least two or three mowings to happen yet when things dry up a little. Um, garden weeds have resurfaced, the light weeds and if you're hoeing off weeds uh, this, again they make perfect as long as there's no seed on the top of the weeds if they're young weeds they make perfect additions to any compost heap. Garden leaves of course, all the trees are going to be shedding their leaves 
over the autumn period. So the horse chestnut, beech, any of the broadleaf trees, again, all of that makes superb compost. And really when you're making compost, garden compost, it's about getting a mixture of materials. So natural garden waste like leaves, like lawn clippings and so on, but also household waste. So anything that will decompose. Uh, so newspaper clippings are ideal, eggshells, coffee, uh, granules, mm-hmm. tea bags, anything like that, anything, any from the veg department. So uncooked vegetable material and um, litter material, paper in particular, can be shredded up, added to your grass and your leaves to make a, a rich mix. And through that, you add a compost activator. So something like garota, which is um, a natural bacteria. It's in a granulated form. So you buy it in a small box or in a liquid and you simply mix it to the material. So as you add six or eight inches of material to your compost heap, you simply put a small sprinkling of the garota over the top and that gets the natural bacteria to start to break down all the material and breaks it down over the winter period. The key thing when composting is to keep the wet, the wet, heavy rain out. Okay. So you can use old pallets if you want, sleepers, timber, anything that will hold, make a box for you or a, a container. Um, or you can get a, an old refuse bin and again, put some holes in the bottom of it. That'll make a perfect composting bin. Or you can purchase a a purposely made compost bin as well. So there's lots of different ways of creating compost. The key with all of them is to keep the heavy rain because the compost heap, after a couple of months, you won't put your hand near or into the compost heap because it makes really huge high temperatures of heat. Okay. So you'll often see them smoking, <laughs> little bits of, little bits of, of steam, steam coming, coming off, off them. And that's just the natural decomposition of all the materials. They naturally create heat Years ago, back in the Victorian times, before they had artificial heating or, or um, stove heating, they used the compost heaps to, gener- to germinate seedlings. So on top of the compost heap that sit their trays of seedlings, because the heat yes. was being created within the compost heap, was coming up through the compost and the seedlings, and here pressed with the germinate within a couple of days. So they were used... Particularly in the so, Victorian so they times. were kind of maximising everything out of the compost, tip, including the energy that was being created. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so huge energy created over the winter period. The main thing is to keep keep it in a way that there's you cover it with a little bit of plastic or um, some material or wood or whatever, just to keep the heavy rain out of the compost. And but apart from that, that's it. You do, you know, because sometimes, p- yeah, people, w- you know, I suppose might advocate agitating it or, yeah. you know, to, a great and you idea. see the tumbler ones that yeah. are k- kind of up off the ground and well, stuff like bacteria, that. Natural bacteria need oxygen to pop, to repopulate themselves and to accelerate their own uh, reproduction. So the idea of aerating a compost heap, and you can literally just dig it out and dig it back in, or you can get the little tumblers that you can spin and they naturally suck in air into the compost heap. And that, because of that oxygen is getting in, it accelerates the breakdown and it'll, it'll accelerate it by a multiple of four or five. Right. So leaving it just as a heap on its own, yes, it will decompose over time, but by agitating it over the winter, maybe once a month, you'll get an acceleration of the bacteria and a greater breakdown of the compost. So you'd have, got, you'd have your compost before Christmas if you agitate it. If you leave it in a, in a heap in the traditional way, you'll have it certainly for March and April. But a huge amount of household waste can be used uh, in the compost heap. The really, the, the, the key uh, point is not to use any cooked food, so any meats or any cooked food to keep those away. But apart from that, there's lots of 
green material Gerald. and certainly leaf litter and all sorts of materials within the home, eggshells and so on, tea bags, coffee granules, all of that can be added to the compost tea. And I suppose then on the far side of the process is what you have is this incredibly rich, rich nutritious material, absolutely. which is just incredible for growing. It's full of nutrition, time. absolutely. It's free of weed because the heat has killed any weeds that might be there. Um, and it's, 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 it's perfect material for putting on your rhubarb crop or putting into your veg garden, your potatoes in, in March and April. So I'd highly recommend people to uh, think about composting this autumn. It's a lovely activity to do with children as well, gathering up the leaves, putting them into a compost heap and getting them used to that whole uh, recycling process. Thinking about, um, again, putting the garden to bed, greenhouses, we've had a, a good year, I suppose, overall. Um, tomatoes are still ripening on, in many greenhouses at the moment. And my advice really is to take the fruit off them now. There's not going to be a whole lot more ripening process within the greenhouse. It's the time to clean the greenhouse out. Um, you could certainly wash down the glass um, with a little bit of detergent to get any green algae off it. But also you can put in, once the greenhouse has been cleaned out and tidy up and the harvest taken from it. Many of the green tomatoes will ripen indoors on your windowsill or in a, in a brown paper bag or whatever uh, over the next couple of weeks indoors. But it's also a good time of year to put in one of the little uh, smoke um, cleansers. So that's a greenhouse smoke. It's There's one called Dead Fast which is, is very suitable. It comes in a little metal tin. You simply clean your glass house out, close it up put the container, the dead fast container on the path, light it and it excretes a smoke that both fumigates any pests that might be there but it also kills off any fungus spores that might be there as well. So it basically cleans your greenhouse for the autumn period. Um, there's no residue left so you generally close up the greenhouse, light it, leave it for a couple of hours and then open and ventilate the area and you can plant if you wish then straight away so you can put in things like garlic or Japanese onion sets or some cabbage or lettuce or whatever for the winter period mm -hmm. if you wish. Um, we control, we touched on it there with the composting again if people can just keep an eye on that because there's lots of weeds around at the moment you know if you pull them now they're not going to be a problem next spring. Hoeing if you like to hoe weeds in an organic way, yep. the best uh, guard piece of garden equipment I have in the shed is a wolf uh, pull and pull hoe. Oh. I have it for 10 years. A I was using pull. it. Does that, does that make <clears throat> the job any easier? It does. It's got, a, it's got blades on both sides. So it's a stainless steel uh, hoe, traditional hoe, flat head, um, but it's got a blade on the front and the back. So as you move it across the surface of the soil, it cuts the weeds both as you're pushing and as you're pulling. So you glide it across the actual soil surface. It just undercuts the weeds. And it's a very, very effective way of keeping the garden um, weed-free, uh, particularly if we get a bit of dry weather. It's a very effective at this time of year. So, And it's also, also an organic way. And it's a great workout. <laughs> So, oh, no excuses. Uh, no excuse. But, but it's it, that particular one, the Wolf 2, because it's stainless steel, it doesn't rust. It's, it's a particularly good, um, very effective. I find that very effective. But you can use the traditional treatments at this time of year as well. My advice really is just get on top of the weeds if you've got them in pats okay. and driveways or in through your shrub beds um, with a bit of dry weather. Focus on them and stop them being a problem. Anybody with thuyas, which are the cone-shaped conifers, we're seeing a little bit of thuya blight on those, which is a browning on the exterior of the... Um, of the conifers. So it typically, two years you'll know them because they have a pineapple scent and they're traditionally cone-shaped. We're seeing a bit of that two-year blight with the um, 
wet weather. So if you have that on your plants, think about giving them a treatment of fungus clear just to control that before the winter okay. sets in. And also boxwood is showing signs of boxwood blight, which is a yellowing or orange pigment on the leaves. Again, there's a treatment called, for that called top box. And both of those can be applied at this time of year just to, to arrest it before the winter sets in. House plants, we talked about them a couple of weeks back, we but did. this is the time of year to start reducing back the watering in house plants in particular. So if you've been, you know, giving your, your traditional house plant watering every two weeks, cut that back to maybe every three weeks or once a month this time of year. So start reducing the water, start um, stopping them growing really. Now, don't let them dry out completely, mm. but certainly let them come on a dry basis that the, the compost starts to dry out slightly. Maybe put a, a little water tray underneath them and when it needs watering water the tray and let the plants suck it up so you're keeping the, the leaves dry and you're keeping the top of the compost dry as well. So they're coming into a, a rest period because the light level is reducing at the moment so house plants aren't growing like they do during the summer period so it's important. Many, many house plants are killed over the winter period from simply overwatering. Because yeah. we presume that they're going to keep going the whole time. We do. And uh, now if you've got a, a particularly warm room, centrally heated yep. room, then certainly keep an eye on that on a plant because that will dry the compost. But in general, and it is a good idea this time of year to start moving them to maybe cooler parts of the house as well. Bathrooms, maybe spare sitting rooms um, and give them that rest period. So cut back in the watering, stop feeding them as well and give them that the rest period over the winter um, so they're the kind of key things. Onion sets, I mentioned those, they can mm-hmm. be planted certainly inside or out of doors. Um, and also we're coming into the time of year for the planting of uh, Beirut hedging, uh, fruit trees, um, trees in general. So people are planning to do that, say, in October, November, prepare the soil now. Because uh, it kind of takes a couple of weeks, really. It for, does. So if, particularly if you're killing off grass and weeds. Exactly. Yeah. So tree, do that first. So they're the kind of key things, really. Um, up on my Facebook page, I have a list of things you can do in the garden this weekend. So if you just jump on there, you'll see a list of other jobs that can be done. If, if you have all the ones we've just listed exactly. out of the way already. Exactly. If you want okay. something to do over the, the weekend. Okay. Let's go to one on the email, first of all, Pork. We've got some pictures in this morning. Um, so uh, Mary writes to say that she planted seeds in August following your advice oh, for spring okay. colour <laughs> and they've I know it's all good the plants have grown nicely they're now in nine centimetre pots should I overwinter them in a cold greenhouse or cold frame and plant them out in spring or should we plant them out now or should I pot them into larger pots so wow. a few options and some pictures there forget me nots uh, Gal- Gilardia I think it is Gilardia's, and some yeah. stock um, now the stock Mary says is looking a little yellow could be overwatered That's or needs transplanting okay yeah, well that, and stock will if you overwater stock it will, um, it, it'll, it'll be yellowing, yellowing in the foliage. So Mary needs to stop the watering on, on the uh, stalk. So all of those are hardy annuals or biennials, which means that they're frost hardy. But having said that, because they're seedlings, I would keep them inside in the cold greenhouse. So that's a perfect environment for them. So place them in the, in the greenhouse. Again, you could clean up the greenhouse first of all, because over the winter, over the summer period, greenhouses take on that kind of algae growth. So it's mm. a good idea to let more light in just to wash down the glass if you can have time to do that. But store them in the in the greenhouse. They'll continue to grow during the winter period. Even if we get nights of frost, they'll be perfectly fine. You don't need to cover them. But do cut back on the watering because that's the killer over the winter period, particularly with plants like stock and forget-me-nots. Um, overwatering can just... Uh, I mean, the plants are just sitting in water and they're, they'll rot off. So cut back in the watering. The other thing I would suggest is to pinch back the stalks. If, they're, if the stalk plants are higher than three to four inches, right. then shorten them back. Just literally take half an inch out of the top 
of because stock it generally makes a, a tallish plant if you don't pinch it back. If you pinch it back, it makes a far bushier plant with a lot more flower. And the same applies with the forget-me-nots as well. So I, I'm just looking at Mary's photographs there now, Porrick. So um, they are, I mean, okay, while the stock is a bit, a little bit yellow, uh, they are fairly, fairly healthy looking on the whole and quite big. So is the pinching back from the middle or the From sides? the very top. Yep. From the, so the, the seedling will be a, a, a vertical shoot, Kind of, it'll be probably you know four to five inches now. Just literally take half an inch of the very top, literally with your thumb and and, and uh, finger, pinch them back, or with a small scissors, just take the top head back. And over the winter period, that plant will actually produce lots of side shoots, and on those side shoots, you get plenty more, more lots more flowers. Here, what pinching back does is effectively it keeps the plant smaller in stature and it increases the number of side branches and therefore the number of flowers you get. So I would leave them inside until March, early April mm-hmm. and then plant them out where you want them to flower. Lovely. And I know we did say it is starting to become that time of the year where things are being put to bed. Lots of questions, I think, in this respect this morning. How do we store geraniums over the winter and when should one take them inside? Well, any time from now on, really, in the next fortnight, you should consider bringing them in. If they get a night's frost, that's going to kill them back. So you have two options with geraniums. You can you can take cuttings from them now, pencil length, pencil thickness, remove the flowers, root them in rooting powder. They're very simple to root. Um, put them into your coffee cup if you want right. and root them there inside in a warm windowsill or you can lift, physically lift the plant itself the entire plant and again trim it back repot it into pots and again keep it in a frost-free location so conservatory cold windowsill indoors greenhouse would be fine but you do need to protect it on frosty nights you need to cover with fleece or put on a little heater yeah. to keep the temperatures above zero so somewhere cool but frost-free over the winter period and again with geraniums keep them on the dry side over the you know keep you're better to underwater because you can do something about that once you overwater a plant you just can't let nature take its course for it to dry out yeah. so always ebb on the side of underwatering for the winter period and you have less disease problems less yellowing in the plants and the plants just remain he- healthier okay. and hardier now a couple of questions on roses so when can i cut back roses some of them are flowering for the third time right and right. also another listener has a lot of different roses so climbing ones and other other ones. Um, so the question again, when will I cut them back for next year? Yeah, well, roses have, have had kind of a tough time for the last couple of weeks with this rain hasn't suited them and the, and the lack of high sunshine, high light, light levels has certainly um, held them back. So some roses have, have finished flowering. The flowers have gone off them. They're looking a little bit sickly. And if that's the case, then my advice is to prune them back now and shorten them back to within six or eight inches of soil levels to give them a good hard tr- pruning back, particularly the bush roses, floribundas and mm. hybrides. Um, again, with climbing roses, when you're pruning back climbers, <clears throat> you prune back to a stem system. So you, what you want to do is tidy the plant back to by removing about a third of at the very top of the of the stem. So if you've got a climbing rose with maybe a a ten foot long stem, shorten that back by three feet. So shorten right back at the very top, and any side shoots on that main stem, shorten those back, the little side shoots back to within an inch of the main stem. So you're left with kind of a a rod system or a, a series of stems that have been trimmed back on top, trimmed back on the sides, and you just tie in tie back in the the remaining stems onto the um, the framework. But roses in general will flower if they are flowering, leave well enough alone, mm. continue to deadhead because roses can often flower well into. November, December, often up to Christmas, depending on the autumn and winter we get. So it really depends what the weather's going to do. If it remains very mixed and, and wet and mild, rose is going to finish flowering in the next couple of weeks because they dislike, they prefer, yeah, dry, 
higher light levels, uh, cooler temperatures, they tend to last longer. Okay. Now, spiders, and I know there's, I think there's a lot of discussion about spiders, I noticed during the week. Uh, spiders coming into the house, how do we control them? Well, oh. spiders come into the, into the, you know, the eaves and in around your home uh, at this time of year, naturally every year, because it's autumn, it's winter, and they're looking for a they're warmer, looking for, looking a more a sheltered shelter. spot. <laughs> Remember that, that spiders are carnivorous, so they eat they all eat, our eat flies. flies and our garden pests and, and so on. So they feed on meat and they feed on, on uh, natural uh, insects and pests that we'd have around the garden. So I always see them as the gardener's friend, to be honest. Um, the false widow spider is the spider you're talking about. That's, that's the getting, we were talking about during the week. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's been in Ireland for the last 20 years. And, um, you know, it seems to be this year in particular we're getting cases of people being nipped by the false widow spider, which is a particularly it's, long, it's a bit big, of big, big, very large spider, yeah, um, very large abdomen on the back, kind of brownish, brownish in colour. Um, well, I'm not but sure to I'm be honest, being, I'm not sure being hurried in the false widow spider into the house now. No, well, that's it. And look, <laughs> I mean, the thing with spiders is, rather than putting down pesticides to control them, um, a good hoovering remove the kind of, if there's any flies or insects around the house, if you can remove those um, you know, tidy that, that you know, hoovering I suppose mm. the best way to get rid of them to be honest, I, you know uh, so, they are a gardener's friend mo- most of the traditional uh, spiders but uh, I understand that yeah, people have a fear of, yeah. of a um, little bit of arachnophobia yeah, 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 we, yeah, we yeah. and particularly that false widow spider, there are report cases of it biting people and leaving kind of um, you know, irritation. Yeah, know, well, spider bites well. can be a little bit sore. Yeah, yeah people yeah. can have a little bit of reaction. But I suppose, of yeah. They can. But the very small ones the are. Hoover out, I think, and Hoover yeah, up and yeah, tidy up. up and yeah, rather sure. than using pesticides yeah. in around your home, I think is a, is a better advice, to be honest. Okay, an opportunity for a spring clean. Yeah. Um, now, uh, is it too late to spray zero on the lawn? Also, uh, <clears> is it too late to sow spring flowering bulbs? No, we're in right in the bang in the time for planting. Actually, the, for Mary that has planted the, um, the, the forget-me-nots and yep. the stock, it would be lovely to plant some dwarf tulips in pots, put them into the greenhouse as well for the winter period and plant both the forget-me-nots and the, so a, a, a beautiful variety is one called Pinocchio or Red Riding Hood that would go so well with the, the blue forget-me-nots. So the planting of all autumn bulbs is done at this time of year. So you've got another three to four weeks to be planting them. If you haven't got a spot to put them in, just simply put them into pots and they'll be perfectly fine out of doors or in a cold glass house for the winter period. And that allows you then to be able to plant them where you want them to flower in springtime. Uh, going back to the zero, zero is the treatment for the lawn moss and you can use that right through the winter period. I generally recommend you use it every six to eight weeks. So every kind of two months, put an application of zero on. You don't have to rake the dead moss. Just leave it alone. It dies away. It, it kills zero will kill the moss overnight. Um, so apply it now. Maybe apply it again at Christmas time okay. and maybe again in February. So you can use it right through. So you simply mix it up with water, spray it on with a clean washing can or, wash, or uh, spraying machine and it works really fast. Okay. Now I know this is a question that comes in from time to time. A best evergreen hedging plant for an exposed seaside garden. I get high wind and salt. Well where you have salt you want to go for something that's going to be salt resistant. So probably the best plant of all is Iliagnus um, Silver Edge which has that silvery uh, foliage. It's got a kind of a on the, the leaf it's got a, a down or a hair on the, on the top of the leaf and that keeps the salt actually off the leaf. But that's probably the best. You'll see it in Acolum 
Malusburg and Mulrani and Newport and so on. All, right the, all the exposed salty All the exposed. So, so plant that. It's evergreen. It's easy trim. It holds its foliage 12 months the year and makes a lovely hedge up to seven, eight feet in height. So you're, it makes a, quite a substantial hedge without being overly vigorous. Mm. So it, it's, it's still relatively easy to maintain. One trimming per year is generally all that's required with Iliagnus. And uh, now is a good time to plant them. Now, what choices do I have with evergreen creepers? I want to cover an eight foot high wall completely all year round. Eight foot high. Okay, yeah. well, there's there's quite a number. Um, so off the top of my head, you've got, of course, all the ivies. Well, you know, the traditional ivies and the varieties like Goldchild, Paddy's mm. Pride, uh, Kolchka, Dentata. They all have variegated foliage. The nice thing about ivy is that it self-clings, it roots to the wall itself. Particularly the variegated varieties are less vigorous, so they don't cover the wall as quickly, which is often a good thing as well because, it, you know, there's less maintenance with them and they're quite colourful. And once you've got the ivy established, you can always introduce other climbing plants to add a bit of colour. You've also got a plant, um, Cissus striata, which is the evergreen Virginia creeper. So again, this plant is very vigorous. If you want to cover the wall fast, put that plant on it. So that's evergreen Virginia creeper. Dark green foliage during the summer in springtime the growth is bronze and in autumn it goes a kind of plummy red um, so that's quite a good one if you want something um, flowering a nice plant is a plant called tracheospernum okay. jasminoides so jasminoides means jasmine like um, and tracheospernum um, has very kind of uh, glossy green foliage quite large foliage and white flowers then from late June, July, right through till August, September sort of period. So that's quite a nice one, Trichospernum. There are some evergreen clematis as well, like Armandii and mm-hmm. Chirosa, which again flower more kind of spring, early summer. Um, Pyracantha, the firethorn, I think we featured that a couple of weeks back. So that's particularly good as well, retains leaves. So there's lots, Cianotus very good wall plant California lilac it's not a climber as such but it makes a great wall plant it gives that coverage it does and it will grow 8 feet no problem whatsoever and there's some evergreen cotoneasters as well so there's lots of wall shrubs stroke climbing uh, twining plants that you can use pop into your local garden centre this is a good time of year for planting climbers in general Okay, well, for outside, let's go inside for a moment. Somebody wondering about an easy-to-grow indoor plant for a bathroom area. Well, bathroom, you've got the, the moisture. You know, the, the, the taps are running and so on. So you've got, generally have higher moisture um, levels in a bathroom. So some easy plants would be Boston, Boston ferns. Traditional trailing ivies are good. Um, the spider plant, which is an old-fashioned, hmm. um, easy-to-grow plant, does particularly well in bathrooms peace lily would do very well there as well so any of the kind of easier uh, like Boston ferns trailing ivies um, the spider plant in particular would be quite good and the peace lily they would all suit indoors and this is a good time of year for putting them in to bring them into the home yeah. yeah Okay, great. Now, my jade plant is big and bushy. I have it for 12 years. I'm wondering, can I take a slip of it as my mother fancies a piece of it? She calls it the friendship plant. Yeah, the jade jade plant or the... Uh, so the jade, jade plant is... You're looking at me. <laughs> so the jade plant is a, is a very, very common plant. You'll actually see it in Chinese restaurants. Oh, yes. yeah. So it's got this succulent leaf. Um, so it's kind of glossy, isn't gl- it? Very glossy yeah. leaf, very uh, kind of a, a trunk, very strong trunk on the plant itself. Very simple to grow, very, very easy to grow. And it's a plant that actually will live for 50 or 60 years. So it's a very long-lived plant and hence it gets the name the friendship plants because people often give it to one another or it's often given in at, at wedding times as a um, as a gift. Right. Um, so 
Jade plant, very simple to grow. It's a succulent. It's in the stroke, the kind of cacti type, succulent type family. Very little watering once a month, uh, repotting every five years. To take a cutting from it, it'll actually grow from its leaves and it often drops the leaves on the ground. So it's the, the, the succulent leaves can literally, you can just take a leaf stick it in a pot of cacti compost or a very gritty compost and that will actually produce a new plant. So you can propagate it from the leaf or you can propagate it from a stem cutting. So take a stem cutting about the thickness of a match or slightly thicker, uh, leave one or two leaves at the very top and just root it in the traditional way you'd root some cuttings. And again, maybe take five or six cuttings and put them into a small pot and root them in a cacti or gritty compost on a windowsill. But it roots very, very easily. It's a very simple plant to propagate and so you either do it from the leaf or from the cutting um, and again there's a plant that you cut back the watering at this time of year because overwatering is the one thing that kills the poor old jade plant but apart from that it's a very very simple plant to grow that's yeah. one you could put in the bathroom as well yeah Absolutely. Margaret had a question, I think, last week for us on the programme. And just to recap, a uh, camellia uh, that hasn't flowered, planted outside. Uh, it was, uh, it's there about three years. Now, it was flowering when she bought it, or it flowered the first time when yeah. she bought it. So she's given us a photograph now. Yeah. So, and isn't it great to get the photograph? It is, I mean, the photograph, it really does bring it to yeah, life. Yeah, because I yeah. remember this question, I yeah. was thinking to myself, well, there's lots of reasons why camellias won't flower or so, but it, to see the plant in the flesh type of thing is, is great. So listeners, if they are sending in questions, great to send the photographs in through email. Um, yeah, I mean, you can see from the camellia, it's anemic, it's very yellow in colour. The, the foliage and the leaves are actually quite small. So the plant is struggling in the in the um, soil mm. and in the situation it's in at the moment. It's quite close to other plants as well. It's it right is, beside yeah. Euonymus, so it's a, a little bit crowded as well. And camellias like, they're a woodland plant, they're like a, a very humus, peaty-natured soil. So my advice to, to, to Margaret is to lift that plant now. You can safely dig it up. Yeah, and there's quite a bit of grass around it too. Yeah, so... This competition there, first mm. and foremost, the plant is struggling. It, it isn't going to do any better. So my advice is to lift it, dig it up. It's not too big. Lift it now, this weekend, if you can, or the, over the next couple of days. Either move it into a large pot in in um, in lime-free compost, in ericaceous compost, the word I'm looking for. Yeah. So the compost we use for um, rhododendrons and azaleas, camellias love that. And you can add a, a, a special camellia food to the compost as well. So my advice is really to move it into a large pot Keep it in outdoors, of course, but in a sort of reasonably sheltered spot that's not been battered by the wind over the winter period. And it'll start to green up. It'll start to grow. It may not, it won't flower next spring because there's no flower buds on it. But the following spring, it should come back into flower again. So it needs a, a bit of TLC. So dig it up, knock off any excessive uh, weeds or grass that's around the base of it repot it into a large pot using the ericaceous compost and some camellia food and it'll come back again. And once it gets strong and established itself, it can be then moved into a new planting site right. with less competition around it and by improving the soil with plenty of ericaceous compost. Some pharma manure is great as well for camellias and rhododendrons and azaleas because it's acidic in nature and it's got lots of nutrition as well. So if, you've, if you have rhododendrons, camellias, azaleas, those sort of plants, even a layer of well-rot manure applied now at the top of the surface will also benefit them as well. Right. But with this plant, it's a case of lifting it, I would put it into a big pot now 
and nurse it back and it'll come back into flower perfectly yeah, again. It's just it's, struggling. It's, it's, yeah, it's very sizable. And it, oh, it's a good it, size yeah, plant, yeah, but, but it, it isn't just, going to get any better where right, it is. So. Okay. Now, uh, I'm going to paraphrase this question. Uh, essentially, we have a, a rockery area which has been okay. planted and right. all is good um, and it's covered with some gravel. Right. Um, so the question really is, how will spring flowering bulbs do in that area? Will they push up through the gravel or what's the best approach? With no with no effort at all, okay. they'll push up through. <laughs> I have daffodils planted. I have a gravel driveway, and I literally have they my daffodils planted in the gravel. Believe that they're about six inches deep, and every spring for the last eight or nine years, up they come. I don't know how they survive because <laughs> they're literally in in gravel, growing in gravel on a driveway, and uh, so the bulbs have absolutely no problem pushing their way up through. Uh, gravel or indeed say you're doing a heather bed yeah, if you so, underplant yeah. so this it this is a rockery as such yeah so it's perfect so mm. just plant the bulbs in clusters of sevens and nines cover them with the gravel again and hey presto they'll come right they'll, through in they'll the springtime find the no problem whatsoever um, um, and, and an addendum I suppose to that as well would there be some summer flowering bulbs that we could also plant in that area so yeah. that you know I suppose we're looking for some continuous colour through a prolonged period you could of course you could plant um, alliums which are lovely um, they often feature a blue and bloom is normally kind of the end of May, early June um, or is it the end of June, early July, whatever it is. It's around June sort of period. The alliums are in full flower and they come in dwarf and taller stem varieties. Um, you've got the dwarf gladioli, which again can be planted. Um, generally, the spring bulbs are planted February, early March, that time of year to flower then that, that following summer. Dwarf dahlias, they come in the little tubers. They'd be lovely in the, in the rockery as well. So there's lots of, of plants that can be planted in February and March. So the bulbs that you see in the shops at this time of year are mainly spring flowering, i.e. February to April, February to May. Um, you get all the, the summer flowering bulbs late January, February in your local garden centre and they flower then through the whole summer. Now we have a new lawn rotivated in the summer. It was lovely and green, but now it's turning brown. Why might this be and what can we do? Well, browning and yellowing is generally a sign that the soil conditions, nutritional level isn't high enough that the, the lawns need a feed. So I would put on an autumn lawn feed now. That'll help to green up. Autumn lawn feeds are designed to feed very slowly. Okay. So the feed over a long period. So you don't get a jump in growth. All you get is a greening of the grass with slight growth. Um, so put on an autumn feed, that will feed it up, particularly if the whole lawn is going brown or discoloured. That's a sign that the soil quality isn't as good as it should be and feeding will certainly bring the grass back again. If it's brown patches in spots, it could be leather jackets feeding on the young grass as well. So if it's just in spots, again, maybe if the listener took a picture of that. I'm actually going to be in the garden centre after 12 today, from 12 to 5 in Turlock and Castlebar. So if listeners want to bring in any pictures, take just a phone photograph, bring it in to me and I'll have a look at it or send it in to Garden at Midwest Radio and we look at it next week okay. on the programme. Brilliant. Now, what's the best time to cut back lava, lavateria plants? Lavateria. Lavateria, sorry, apologies. Yeah, Flowers are almost gone at this stage. Yeah, and a great, great plant in any garden. Lavateria is the mallow. The mallow plants, the common name is the mallow. It comes in a whole range of different colours and different mm -hmm. varieties, but they flower from May right through, generally up to November. Now, this year, they're going off a little bit earlier. It's not a long-lived plant. 
So it's not a plant that's going to, even though it is a perennial uh, and it is a shrub, it generally lasts four, maybe five years. And after that, it gets a bit woody. It tends to get a bit top heavy and falls over and breaks. So always see it as a, a short lived. It's a great plant to fill a border and bed for short for a short number of years. Um, so first of all, pruning back helps to keep it young. So you can do that at this time of year. And the pieces that you cut back, take cuttings of those. Right. Because you want to be thinking about replacing the big plant in certainly in the next two or three years. So having young, some young cuttings coming on helps to do that. So my advice is to trim it back now. You can be quite severe, cut it back certainly within 18 inches, two feet of soil level. And those pieces that you prune off, they make perfect material for cuttings. Again, if you want to bring a couple of them in to the store today, I'll show you how to... Just take a cutting go off about that. and yeah. Great. Now, raspberries. Uh, this year, our crop of raspberries failed. Hmm. There was an abundance of fruit and before it ripened, it just got brown and shriveled up. Okay. The leaves of the fruiting stems went brown as well, but yeah. the new growth is green and healthy looking. What do we do to prevent this next okay, year? So the first thing to do is hmm. to prune back all of those uh, brown dead pieces. They got a disease called botrytis, which is a rotting of the fruit and a rotting of the stems. Um, and again, in a wet autumn, you, there's lots of botrytis and lots of mildew around this year. So botrytis is a rotting of the fruit and a rotting of the stems. So it's nothing that the listener, you can spray for it. You can put fungus clear on in the middle of the summer and that stops it, it botrytis becoming a problem. So my advice really is just to cut back the damaged stems, the damaged fruit, fruiting stems, dump those. Don't put them on your compost heap, get rid of them, put them into the refuse bin and get rid of them. The young growth that's coming on, that's where the fruit is going to be born next uh, summer. And a good idea in May, April, May of next year is to give those young plants a spray of fungus clear and that'll help to protect them for the uh, against botrytis. So it's just a disease that comes on the, on the foliage and stems. Okay. What can I do in the polytunnel now? Is there any point in sowing seeds at the minute? Well, you can certainly plant uh, vegetable plants. So the red broccoli that we talked about last week, mm-hmm. spinach, the pixie cabbage can be put in now. They're all available in plants at the moment. You can plant um, vegetable bulbs, including the Japanese onion sets and garlic can be planted now in the tunnel. It'll be perfect, perfect environment for it. And then you can sow seeds, particularly the hardier uh, spring, early summer seeds. So uh, cabbage varieties, again, like pixie, could be sown from seed as well as plants. There's another very good variety called Advantage which is winty hardy variety, or any of the Savoy cabbages, which tend to be the curly, tougher cabbages, can be certainly sown from seed now for growing through the winter period and harvesting next April, May, um, so kind of early early summer, late spring, early summer of next year. Uh, lettuce varieties like all year round, again, can be sown at this time of year. Um, so there's lots of winter vegetables that particularly in a, in a tunnel environment mm. um, you've got nice warm temperatures they will germinate over the next couple of weeks and with a view to picking those in late spring early summer of next year Now uh, a listener has two blueberries trees that wondering can they sow them in a pot? Yeah well perfect conditions for growing them in a pot you'll often hear me talking about Keeling's fruiting farm mm. in Dublin and they grow their blueberries in pots All the time? All the time they're there and I visited them probably two years ago and, and uh, <clears throat> they literally had large big tubs with hundreds and hundreds of blueberries planted in the pots because blueberries need acidic soil. They're in the bilberry family and they need our boggy, peaty-natured soil. Um, now, peat on its own is not enough. You need a compost that's lime-free. So um, exactly the compost I recommended from Margaret, the ericaceous lime-free compost is perfect for blueberries. So get yourself a bag of that. Again, mix some of the rhododendron or camellia food through that. Mm-hmm. Plant your blueberries in a big pot and, and 
pick a good sized tub because they're going to be in it for the next 10 or 15 or maybe possibly 20 years um, so will you, that kind of oh yeah oh absolutely blueberries will live for 40 and 50 years um, and in Keelings the tubs were probably about two feet wide maybe three feet wide right. and uh, they were there for years and years um, so they all would obviously give them some liquid yeah. feeds and so on to keep them going but blueberries do particularly well in pots okay. as long as it's a nice big tub and you use the ericaceous compost uh, is it the time of year to clean out my nesting bird boxes? A great time of year. The yeah, birds have finished, finished nesting, nesting now. Um, and it's a good time of year in general for wildlife in the garden. I mean, we should be encouraging our children and our and our uh, ourselves to be putting up wild bird feeds now. So, you know, all the black sunflower seed and peanuts and wild bird feed. Mm. If you start using them now, you'll see the, the birds getting used to coming in, in around your garden and home. But also it's a great time to clean out nesting boxes and prepare them for next year. So literally just open them up, clean them out, uh, tidy them up and close them back up again. A good time of year as well for putting up nesting boxes because if they have the winter to season and the birds get used to them, they're more likely. They're they more yes, likely. So they won't be quite as that new smell uh, kind exactly. of gone off them. Exactly. Okay, good exactly. idea. So yeah, look after the wildlife for the winter. My cabbage, the leaves have turned yellow. They're falling off. What is it? Why is that? Well, that's a that's a root problem. So it sounds if they're young plants, it sounds like either cabbage root fly or leather jackets that may be attacking them. So what I would do is lift one of the plants, dig it up, have a look, see are there any small maggots uh, feeding on the root structure. Um, so that's uh, that would be an obvious uh, problem. Again, that can happen at this time of year, particularly with the leather jackets. The other thing it could be is club root, which is a disease. It's a, as the name suggests, the roots go into this kind of club or swollen um condition. Mm. So basically it's a fungal disease that attacks the roots of cabbage plants or anything in the cabbage plant family. So again, lifting the plant, you'll you'll see if the roots are swollen, that's a disease problem. And um, you need to avoid that soil, that area for planting any other thing, anything else in the cabbage family. So really you need to do a little bit of investigation, see what's causing the yellowing. It's either a pest or a fungal problem. And um, again, if you want to lift one, bring it into me. I'll, I'll take a look at it. Okay, a, qu- a quick overall <coughs> uh, comment, I think, about cutting back, hedging. We have questions on Laurel, Landii, um, just doing a quick yeah, well, uh, grouping here for you. I mentioned uh, that. Forest flame, yeah. Okay, well, leave the forest flame at the moment. Okay. <laughs> but hedging in general, so laurels or escalonia or privet or any Lelandii, this is a good time of year for doing a light trimming back, so no severe pruning, but certainly to tidy the plants back because they have been growing over the last couple of weeks. There has been new growth and you might find your hedge a little bit you know, higher in one section, lower in another and so on. So it's a great time of year in October just to tidy everything back and make it uniform. So I'm talking about maybe cutting five to six inches off hedging plants in general, both sides and top. Try when you're trimming the hedge to keep it inverted, that it's wider at the base and sloping upwards and inwards so it's narrow at the top Um, but yeah good time to trim them back no feeding required this time of year and we're coming into the time for planting new hedges as well Um, with forest flame many many plants are actually beginning to flower well it's in flower now actually many spring flowering plants rhododendrons you'll often see a few flowers on them at this time of year or indeed camellias or azaleas so and that's because the type of temperatures we're getting at the moment are very similar to spring like weather. Day length is the same, temperatures are the same. So sometimes the plants think it's March, March or April and you often get a few flowers coming out this time of year. So that's totally natural. But don't do any pruning on... If you prune the Pieris forest flame with the flowers on it, if you cut that back now, you lose all the flowers for next year. So the time to cut it back is after flowering. So leave it till late April, early May. Once the 
flowers have faded and the pink coloration is going to a kind of a yellowish color cut it back then and you get a second flush of lovely red color on on the forest flame great if i dig up peony roses now will they come out next year no okay so peony roses do not like to be disturbed now if you're very careful and you move them all in one go you've got a chance they'll flower but they dislike disturbance so they are a plant that you tend to plant them and leave them alone now if you want to move them and you have to move them certainly this is the time of year to dig them up transplant them it gives you the opportunity of splitting them and making two or three plants but invariably they start for the next two to three years they will produce vegetative growth new growth at the expense of flower but they will come back and settle down to flowering again so it is a good time to move or to divide but ideally you want to pick a spot where you can leave them alone okay um so question on thistle sorry can't get the word out for some reason how to grow anything to know not how to grow work <laughs> other way around how to get rid of thistles in the garden please right and and this year there's i suppose there's lots of particularly in lawn weeds a lot of buttercups around at the moment because they love the moisture that we're having um and thistles and so on so again again this is a good time to treat them leave the lawn if they're growing in the lawn area leave the lawn for a week or two before you mow it let the thistles grow let the uh, the buttercups grow and treat them with a treatment called dicoflower which is a proprietary lawn weed killer it it will only kill broadleaf weeds and not damage your grass so you mix it up in your sprayer make sure the sprayer is clean spray it over the entire area thistles and the uh, broadleaf weeds will die within a week or 10 days and um, you've got yourself back to clean a nice clean lawn give it a feed and it'll be in great condition before the end of October. Okay, just one or two more. <clears throat> a maple Shiraz, new leaves are coming out green. Will they turn pink in the spring or should I remove them? No, they'll, well, any green shoots that are on it, um, cut those, if they're strong green shoots, remove those off because that's a little bit of re- reversion um, because Shiraz has that lovely pinky, winey colour during the summer period. So any strong green shoots, they can be cut off right to the main stem. It will be going out of leaf now in the next couple of weeks, so I wouldn't worry too much about it till next spring. Again, it could be tidy back. The overall maple mm. could be tidy back as well. Take six or eight inches off all the branches because that'll encourage lots more colour in the spring. But if you do see some strong green shoots, they should be removed from the plant. Okay, and probably going to finish up on this one, Pork. Um, and it's going to, we started with roses. We'll finish with roses. Um, speaking on roses, I moved an old, old rose. Great. Not sure how old right. that is. Double old <laughs> some years ago. And all that has grown since on it are suckers. Is it goosed? No. Well. <laughs> It certainly sounds like it it has, yeah. I mean, you'll know the suckers. The suckers are basically uh, they're so when we when we when when you buy a rose, you're essentially buying two plants. You're buying the rootstock and you're buying the the top part of the plant. And if you move plants, if the top part fails, the suckers kick into growth. But you'll know if it's a sucker because it'll have seven leaves. And also, it'll be very thorny. The stem will be of lots of thorns. It'll be completely, it'll look like it's a, a you know, a, a coarse rose. Right, so it's like a bit of a mutant of what you, you had originally. Will. Absolutely. And if it's uh, if it's all suckers, then dig it up and get rid of it. Okay, sorry. So sorry about that. Yeah, better way, if you've got old roses, a better way to propagate them is just take cuttings during the summer. Okay, rather they, than moving rather than moving a big old okay. plant because it it's just yeah it's, it's, it's settled and it's there yeah. and it doesn't so want check to if it's got seven lots of seven leaves and lots of thorns then it sounds like it's all suckered up okay I'm so afraid on that <laughs> so remember I'm in the garden centre from 12 o'clock in Turlock right through till 5 and if people have any questions just pop in and see me I'll 
I'll be just outside the restaurant. Okay, excellent. And you'll be here again <laughs> next Saturday as well. I will, of course. Thanks indeed. Uh, that's it from the gardening programme and from me for this week. Michael Neary on the way next with Country Classics. Thanks to Cathy for all her help this morning. Until next Saturday, a very good morning to you.